afternoon, really. It's still the afternoon at this time of year. I'll try and look over here for half the time, and then I'll kind of swivel and look over here for the other half, because um, you guys are a bit like separated out. It's good to be here again at Church at Five, and I'm not sure if I've got the image on the screen. At the moment, we're going through um, a series of seven psalms, which is um, the title we chose um, because we thought it would be funny if someone had a lisp for them to speak that title out, but I already said that before, so a series of seven psalms. A lot of S sounds in that title. Yeah, there it is, a series of seven psalms. And I think this is psalm number five today, and we've got two more coming up in the next two weeks. And um, yeah, it's an interesting psalm that we have today. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 88, um, which is, as I say, an interesting psalm. In a moment we'll read it together, but um, just before we get into Psalm 88, um, we want to, at Church at Five and at Calvary Chapel in general, as a whole church, we want to be uh, a family, a family of faith. We want to be there for each other. And what we're going to speak about today in Psalm 88 refers to an important aspect of that. It's an aspect, though, which is not easy to come to terms with, not easy to grasp, but it's an aspect which is really important, probably one of the most important factors if we really, if we don't just want to say we want to be a family, if we don't just want to say we want to be there for each other, and if we don't, if we don't mean by family merely hanging out here after church or down the back and drinking an Apfelschorle and having a, a biscuit, if you're from Great Britain, or a cookie, if you're from North America. If we really want to be family, then we have to... Um, we have to be family in the hard times um, where it's not easy. Um, we have to be family more than just for a conversation or two after the service. We have to be family ongoing in life. So let's, without further ado, let's read Psalm 88. Um, I just wanted to basically, ju- basically just listen to it uh, first and foremost. We're not going to go through verse by verse and explain every verse. I think you'll get the idea when you've heard the psalm um, why this psalm is perhaps interesting, why this psalm is perhaps unique. So, Psalm 88, the um, introduction uh, in English, is a song, a psalm of the sons of Korah for the director of music, according to Mahalat Leanot, a masculine of Heman the Ezraite. O Lord, the God who saves me, day and night I cry out before you, May my prayer come before you, turn your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of trouble and my life draws near the grave. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit In the darkest depths, your wrath lies heavily upon me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, O Lord, every day I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do those who are dead rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you 
for help, O Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have been afflicted and close to death. I have suffered your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. Darkness is my closest friend. And so ends Psalm 88. Just let me just give a show of hands. Who's heard that psalm before? A couple of people, a few people. Okay. It's, um, it is unique in the book of Psalms because it's the only psalm which ends without any hope. The only psalm which ends without any resolution. There's not a happy ending at the end of the psalm. Just wondering, how, how are we... If I can just ask you a rhetorical question, you don't have to shout out answers, but how do you react to a psalm like Psalm 88? How do you react to a psalm like Psalm 88? And the reason I ask that is because I think this psalm has a, has a very important message to tell us as the Christian church, us as Calvary Chapel Freiburg, us as Church at Five. This psalm is showing us God has almost, if you will, snuck it in to the Psalter without telling anyone to send us a message um, about, uh, that we need to hear about grief that is being truly sad, about despair that is being truly feeling without hope, about going through dark times. This is a message that we need to hear. So what, I'm, what I want to say today is that Psalm 88 shows, I believe, um, that it is legitimate, it is okay for us to pour out our hearts to God, like this psalm does, when our hearts are full of grief, when our hearts are full of despair, when we don't see the happy end, we don't see the resolution, we don't see the next step, or we see it, where we don't see the light, if you will, at the end of the tunnel, we just see darkness. What God is saying with this psalm is that's not foreign to him. That's not something that he can't deal with. That's not something that's somehow wrong or sinful. God gives us here in Psalm 88 a place, I'll say this later again, I'll mention this later in a quote, a place where we can critique him, if you like, where we can say with the psalmist here, Remembering that these words are given to us through the Holy Spirit. Why, O Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? That's what God is showing us here by including Psalm 88 in the Psalter, in the canon of Holy Scripture, that there is a place for this. And this is really important for us for a couple of reasons. I think that as I read through that Psalm here uh, tonight, there will be some people here Looking back in through your life, you can say, I can relate to this psalm. This is how I felt in the past. Not just this is how I felt on a Sunday afternoon when SC Freiburg lost. You know, that's shallow, isn't it? Really shallow. Um, but this is how I felt, not just for a day or two when I got a bad exam mark, maybe. But this is how I felt for months, years. 
I went through a really dark patch. Or there might be some of you sitting there now who are saying, this really, I should write this psalm down. I should be praying this every day. This is my psalm. This is how I feel now. That I'm going through a really dark time. Or, or I can't even express it maybe in, in, the, in the right language, in the language that you would want to use if that's you here today. Where you feel, yeah, you feel cut off from God. You feel abandoned by God. God has let you down. There's that song we sometimes sing here, um, you're never going to let me down. And when that song comes along, you're like, no, I'm not singing that. I feel let down by God. Where is God? Why is he hiding his face from me? Why is he rejecting me? Why has all of this happened to me? All of these bad things from my point of view or from your point of view if you're looking at your own life. Why has that happened? And you might even be at the point where you don't really have even the words anymore to express those things. This psalm is showing you that even in this phase, God is not foreign to this. God is not somehow... Uh, unable to deal with this. God is not, our, God is not um, unaware that this is how life can often be. And with Psalm 88, he gives us, he creates, if you will, for each of us individually and also for us, that's the second point which is really important for us to understand, a space where we can say these kind of things to God. And this is what's crucial for us to learn as a church community. Because the way our church community is set up, and that's, that's not necessarily that we've designed it that way, that we've purposely sat down to say, okay, this is the way it has to be. But it's just kind of the way, if you come to this church, I mean, all of you guys being in church at five, you only be here for a short time. Then you'll head back to wherever you're completing your studies or you'll go on to new pastures. You'll go into another church. And, and broadly speaking, I mean, the, broadly speaking, we're an evangelical free church. There are going to be things that are different about us to other churches that you go into, maybe things that you find interesting or annoying, whatever. But broadly speaking, we're going to be very similar around the world to a lot of other evangelical free churches. And the question is, does our evangelical free church culture respect Psalm 88? Respect Psalm 88. And my guess is that if you're sitting here tonight thinking, that psalm, that's how I feel. Maybe you're hiding it. Because that's what we, well, that's the thing. I guess if you're sitting there thinking, this psalm describes my life, these, these, these heartfelt cries to God and God doesn't hear me and I don't understand why, then you would probably say that our evangelical free church culture does not give space to Psalm 88. That's just not the way we do it. If I was to end this sermon now, people would be uncomfortable. They'd be like, dude, we need a resolution. We need to be able to go out here thinking everything's okay. You can't just leave, you can't just end like that. Darkness is my closest friend. What do you mean? You're going to say, but in the morning, God showed himself in the light and it was all good. That's not how this psalm ends. So that's, that's, the, um, that's, that's a task that, it's not a task that I think that I, as one of the leaders here, or Bex as one of the leaders here, or Yanis as one of the leaders here, that, that we alone can change. Because this is something which is infecting, if you will, uh, all of our, certainly our culture, um, our, our culture as an evangelical free church, that we don't have the space to, to live Psalm 88. So that's what I want to, um, to 
to say here. What does that mean? That means that for people going through times like this, it's not always better by the end of the last song. It's just not. It's not better. There is no resolution. Like the psalm here, the psalm ends and it's over. And there isn't any, there's not, there's not a resolution there. It's not sort of like, okay, it's over now, it's better now, we can go forwards now. For so many people in these phases of life, this goes on and on and on, day in, day out, week in, week out, and you learn, and that's the problem we have in our churches. You learn when you come here to a church like this, to say, well, I can't really say how I'm feeling. I can't really let people know how I'm feeling because... It doesn't fit with the kind of service that we have here where we all want to finish on a nice song and then have fellowship and go our separate ways. It doesn't really fit. There's nothing wrong with fellowship and finishing on a nice song, but it's not really conducive to people who are going through the depths of this kind of grief and, um, and, and lostness and frustration with God and, and just wondering why is God allowing this to happen? Where is God? And I know that because I've had times like this. Even times, even short times this year where I've just really wondered, God, where are you? Where are you? Where I've said to God, you say in the New Testament, when, um, when you pray, uh, sorry, how, is it, how does it go in, in, in Luke's Gospel? Um, if you ask your father for a piece of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. And then I've said to God, God, I'm asking you for a piece of bread. Why are you giving me a stone? Why are you giving me a stone? So sorry, the um, just lost my track there. So um, our our we need to yeah. So there's two things I'm saying here. Our our the way our church is our churches and our fellowship are often set up is not conducive to allowing the the Psalm 88 space, if you will, to be lived out. Because people, as, you, as, as, I would, as I was saying, that's where I was, I remember now. As I was saying, people come here and if you're feeling like this, you start to hide it because it doesn't really fit in. And if you were to talk to somebody after the service, even then you have the feeling, if I really told these people how I feel, I'd overwhelm them. They couldn't deal with it. They couldn't cope. And then you have those awkward situations. We all know those awkward situations. I was talking to a friend uh, just after the, the earlier service today about this awkward situation where someone tells you something like, uh, uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And you kind of wait. And what can you do? If you know the person a little, maybe you can give them a hug. Again, there's nothing wrong with a hug. If you don't, maybe you say some kind of what? Some platitude? It'll all be all right in the end. Would be kind of like the world's platitude. Don't worry, it'll all be all right in the end. Or uh, as Monty Python said, always look on the bright side of life. I can't whistle. (laughs) Good for me. Or you might say some Christian platitude, which is really shallow in the moment, like God's got it under control. But that's the point. According to Psalm 88, where is God? I don't know where God is. He's not here. He won't listen to me. He's rejected me. He's the one sending me all of this stuff. Where it says here uh, in Psalm 88, and yet your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors, God, have destroyed me. You've put me in the lowest pit in the darkest depths. So let me just quote at this point here uh, a text that, has not, that it was actually not written to do with Psalm 88. It's just generally about 
but it fits well because it's about whether or not this space to to pray Psalm 88, or that is, to, that is to say for those of us who are going through times like this, whether we have a space here in evangelical free churches. And that's a question we have to ask ourselves here at Calvary Freiburg, and it's a question we have to ask ourselves here at Church at Five. This guy writes, he says, within evangelicalism, the genuine expression of despair often feels at odds or conflicts with a confession of faith to lament you know what, maybe you've heard of the book Lamentations. A lament in German, a klage, is where you're, you're, really, you're pouring out your, your soul in, uh, in sorrow before God on account of circumstances in your life or in society. Lament has no room. Not really. He continues. There's a short window of time where we can kind of be sad he's saying, in evangelicalism, before we're required to sing, up from the grave he rose. You know, It's all good. It's all good. In a couple of weeks' time. Patience, he says, is really the ticking clock on the time bomb of God's moral evaluation. In evangelicalism, tears have a half-life, an expiration date, until they overstay their welcome, and survivors of greater loss are held over our heads. And he goes on to say, so long as our community, and we can think of ourselves here as the Church at Five community, so long as our community requires its members to follow the evangelical rules of grief, so as in get over it, sing the last song, be happy, we will blind the believing bereaved, so that is bereaved are sad people, we will blind the, the, the sad people, I'm sorry, that's so... Shallow. The, 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 the people struggling with Psalm 88 in the believing community, we'll, we'll, we will blind them to the space God himself has made for us to critique him. And when I read that, I thought, that's Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is the, is the evidence, if you will, in Holy Scripture that God has said, or we could take Lamentations as well, which finishes on that, that, that note, how long, O Lord, will you be with us? Will you be angry with us forever? Jeremiah praying over the ruins of Jerusalem. It, Psalm 88 or Lamentations create this space for us to critique God as his creatures. To, 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 to throw our hands up into the heaven and say, why? Why won't you hear me? Why won't you answer? Why won't you respond? Why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen? That's what he says. And he says there is no, he goes on to say, there is no space for real lament. I certainly don't see it. There's no room, this is an interesting point that he makes here, for our, um, for our grief over whatever it might be, our despair over whatever it might be, to be taken in to the community of faith. What he's saying there is to be shared here in this community. And that brings me back to the point that I was making uh, at the beginning. There's, how do we, if we want to live here as a family, yeah? If we don't just, if we want to say family is more than having an apple shawler and a cookie or a biscuit after the service, which is a great thing, but if family is going to be more than that, and I think we want it to be more than that, then we have to find a way for these times of grief and despair to be folded in, to have their place in our community of faith. We have to be willing to, to hold, to bear the tension to hold out the awkwardness when people say, look, I'm not going well. We want to have that openness there in the first place for someone to say, look, 
That's how I feel, Psalm 88. That's how I feel. And we don't want to just stand there awkwardly and think, ooh, yeah, ooh, look at the time. We want to have a place for this. We need space to process uh, our grief and our despair, maybe our anger and our bitterness towards God. We need space to process that where our, our tears are not measured in terms of progress. You know how, you know, that's, that's also a characteristic of our evangelical churches. That when we think someone's, okay, we think, okay, that person's lost their husband, their husband died, or maybe a child died, and we think, okay, this is like a, a process begins now, and there's going to be like stages. And so what we expect when we see them after five months, that they'll, be, that they'll have progressed more than when they were after one month. But what we're trying to, trying to say here is there needs to be a space here where we're not measuring people's progress in the way that they deal with their grief and despair. We have to, in, in some sense, let it be and be willing to bear each other's burdens, to carry each other's burdens. That's what true family is. And this, this writer says, in his view, such a space does not currently exist. And he goes on to offer a, a criticism, and I want to give it to you here for you to think about. I'm not sure that it necessarily uh, applies here. It may have been something that he experienced uh, in his church context. But he says here, the most helpful people to me in my process of grief, in my battle with despair, have been those who have nothing to do with Christianity at all. Nothing to do with Christianity at all because they have nothing at stake in me resolving my grief in a certain way. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's saying that in, in church, in the Christian scene, he feels like when I'm talking about my grief with people, they, they have this stake and they want this to be, they see it as a problem to be fixed, to be resolved, so that it can be, so that smooth waters can return. If there's somebody here who's, who's wrestling with despair and, 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 um, and, and grief and maybe um, unbelief or, or doubt with God, then that's a problem. That's, that's kind of, we can't, we can't have that. It, it becomes almost subversive because it, it, it questions um, the whole church project. What do we do? Like if he's, hang on, if he is so down, so despairing because of God, that, that kind of subverts my own faith. So we try and solve it. That's what he's getting at there. So the most helpful people to him were those who had nothing to do with Christianity. They didn't feel like they needed to fix his problem. It makes them, he says, the best grief counsellors. So he says, um, yeah, I just, I want to say any more from that. But that's just the question we have that we all have to take with us. And in one sense, it's a question that we can take with us, even if you're only here at Church at Fire for another three or four weeks until the, uh, the end of the semester. Does our church, does our church family have a place for people who right now in their life are on, page Psalm, on the page of Psalm 88? Who really don't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Who really are um, lost in the sense that they don't understand why God won't speak, why God won't answer them, why God, why God won't move, why God won't act, why God won't resolve a difficult situation, or why, God, why did God let this terrible 
thing happen? That's the question we have to take with us uh, for, our, for our family. And I know that's a hard word. It is a hard word. And it's not an easy thing. And it's not something that we could kind of fix by next week um, and say, okay, now we have that space. But it's something that we all have to take with us to say, am I willing to, to, um, sorry, to be available, to, be, to, to invest so in the community of faith, so in the family of Church at Five, or wherever you might end up, um, that, I, that I want to allow the people, I want, I want, that I want to firstly realize that Psalm 88 shows that this is possible. This is not an aberration. These people are not somehow, oh, you must not really be a Christian if you're having such doubt. These are people who are calling out to God day and night and feeling like God doesn't hear them, won't answer them. So have you understood that, 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 that Psalm 88 is creating that space, that that's legitimate, that God has given us a place in Psalm 88 where we can call out to him to critique him, to say, why God? And once you've accepted that, are you willing are you willing to open yourself up to carry the burdens of your brothers and sisters in this place without seeking for an immediate resolution, without making it awkward and then offering some there, there platitude? That's on Psalm 88. But I do want to finish um, this evening by going uh, firstly to Psalm 107. Uh, and then we're going to finish by reading Psalm 116. Because Psalm 88, while it, is, while it itself finishes without any hope, it's in the midst of a canon of Psalms where we do read of hope. We do want to put Psalm 88 in context. We do want to see um, that the Lord, the Lord is the one who, who let Psalm 88 be inspired to be written for the canon of the Psalms. And he does hear. So we're not, we're not relativizing what Psalm 88 is saying, but I just want to come to Psalm 107 and, and use Psalm 107 to speak to those of you tonight who might feel like, right now I'm in Psalm 88. Okay? So Psalm 88, I think, gives us examples of being in despair, in the place of Psalm 88. Just look at me with, look at me, look with me at Psalm 107. It's interesting to, to see right at the start, the first verse, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. And right at the, right at the end, in verse 43, it says, Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. So that's what we're going to be thinking about. The Lord is good, and his love does endure forever. Now, there are four if you will, stories here of despair contained for us in Psalm 107. Let's read the first one from verse 4. Some people, the psalmist says, they wandered in desert wastelands finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty. Their lives ebbed away that they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. So I'm going to take this to mean uh, this evening, finding no way to a city where they could settle. If you are in despair, if you are calling out to God, Lord, give me guidance for my life. I don't know what I'm called to do. To do. I, don't know what I'm, or I don't know what I'm doing here in Freiburg. What am I doing with my life? 
Life just seems to be passing me by. I can see everyone else come here. They're doing their studies. They're doing this, that. They're finishing their degrees. They're going off there. They're getting married, whatever it might be. They're going off into mission or whatever. What am I doing here, God? I feel like I'm just I'm, I'm hungry and thirsty. My life is just ebbing away here. Where am I to settle? Where am I to settle? What is your plan for my life, God? Then here, what the psalmist says here in verse 6. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, for his wonderful deeds for men, for he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. I want to give you that picture. The Lord is listening. The Lord is hearing you. This time of despair, this time of silence will end. It will end. And then the second picture in verse 10. And we might just, yeah, we'll do this picture. Some sat in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. In verse 13. I take this to mean... Well, I take it to mean what it says right there. There'll be those of you who, tonight who are saying, the reason I'm despairing, I feel so, so cut off from God, so apart from God, because I've stuffed it up. Sorry, that's Australian speak. I don't know how to say that in American English. Um, yeah, I've stuffed it up. I've made a mistake. Not only once, but again and again and again. I, I just keep, I keep ruining every day. I know what I'm doing wrong, and yet I do it again and again and again. I know what God wants me to do in my life, but I keep failing. I keep doing what God doesn't want me to want me to do. I keep ignoring what I know to be God's will. I keep living in um, in 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 relationships or um, or connections which I know to be wrong, as in as in connections to things or, or people which I know to be wrong. And I I want to get out, but I just keep failing. I feel myself under the judgment of the Lord. And I want you to hear verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. There is hope for you if that's you. If you feel like every day is a failure, every day I come up short, every day I do what I tell myself the day before, I don't ever want to do that again. I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to stop doing that. I want to stop being like this. I want to stop being disobedient God. There is hope for you. They cried out. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom. He broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for men. For He breaks down gates of bronze, cuts through bars of iron. We'll just do one, one more, because then we're out of time. This is the third picture. Verse 17, some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food. They drew near the gates of death. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble. I take this to mean particularly those of you who tonight who might look back on your, on your life and say, I can see 
the consequences of what I've of the, the mistakes I've made, the sins I've committed, the wrong choices I've made in my life, and I'm suffering for them. And I can't take it back. I can't go back. You know that song by Cher? I wish I could turn back time. Who hasn't thought that one time? I wish I could turn back time and I wouldn't do it all again. I think she would. Anyway, um, I think that's the line in the song. I'd do it all again. Anyway. But you know, you say, I don't want to do it again. If I could only change that, if I could only go back there and not do that, or if I could only go back there and do that and take that opportunity, take that choice. And now I'm wearing it. Now I'm suffering with it. Lord, why can't you save me out of this? And it says here, they loathed all food. It's, it's talking about actual bodily affliction here, that, that they're suffering in their bodies because of wrong, rebellious choices. 17, they became fools through their rebellious ways. If that's you tonight, you're looking back and you, and you basically you live in the past. You're not thinking about tomorrow is a new day, the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and give thanks for it. But you're thinking, you're just your whole life is in the past. What if I'd done that? If only I hadn't done that. Then verse 19 is for you. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his, forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. There is hope for you. This time of despair, this time of living in the past, it will end. There is hope for you. Don't give up calling out to the Lord. Remember that in this psalm we see the Lord rescuing those. He's not rescuing the people who are pretty good, living a pretty good middle class life and passing all their exams. That's not who he's rescuing here. He's rescuing the people who are out in the desert wastelands, hungry and thirsty, their lives ebbing away. He's rescuing the people suffering in iron chains in dungeons because they'd sinned against the law of the Lord. He's rescuing the people who have been foolish and gone against the word of God and suffered affliction in their lives, in their bodies, for their poor choices. Those are the people that God is rescuing. And those are the kind of people who would have every reason to pray Psalm 88. So take hope this evening. God does hear you, and God can and will rescue you. So to finish this evening, um, let me, I want to read Psalm 116. And as I do, I can invite the worship team to go back up so we can sing um, a song at the end. And before I read Psalm 16, Psalm, 16, uh, sorry, Psalm 116, um, let me just say I'd invite you to be part of this process of thinking about how we can make, and even that it just sounds a little shallow now, it's not something that we can make, how we can live community and family, and so including those core values here that we have at Church at Five of being safe. That's one of our core values. People, we want to be safe here, that we, can be, that we can open up and be accepted for who we are. I want to invite you to be thinking about that, how we can do that praying to God that he would grant that to us, that we might truly be a place where people who are grieving, people who are lamenting, people who are calling out, why God? That they might experience healing here by being um, accepted, by being accepted, by not being viewed as a problem to solve or as an irritation or as like, wow, I can't deal with that, but by being seen as a brother or a sister 
who needs to be carried a while. So on that note, Psalm 116, this is the psalm that is my desire that we can all pray one day. And again, if that's not you today, if you're at Psalm 88, be in that, be in that place. We want to be there for you to, to grieve with you, to lament with you. But this is Psalm 116. There the psalmist writes, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted in my, in my dismay, I said, all men are liars. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift the cup of salvation, call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So if you like, why don't you join us as we call on the only name there is to be called on, the name of the Lord.